This is Policy on Purpose, a podcast produced by the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. We take you behind the scenes of policy with the people who help shape it. For more, visit lbj.utexas.edu. Welcome, everyone. We're on Policy on Purpose. This is our ninth segment, and I'm so pleased today to welcome two really tremendous uh, women, uh, both of whom are serving as Chiefs of Staff in the United States Senate. And I had the uh, really great privilege of uh, traveling with them about 10 years ago. And I just have been following their careers, and I have to tell you that we're extremely fortunate to have both of them working in the public service and working for the United States Senate. So I want to welcome Maura Keefe, who's the Chief of Staff for Senator Shaheen from New Hampshire, and Beth Jaffrey, who is a Chief of Staff for Senator Cornyn here in Texas. So I want to welcome both of you. Thank you so much for taking your time and doing this podcast with us. Uh, In the past, what we've tried to do with these podcasts is focus on people who have spent their careers in public service, who stepped into the arena of public service and the purpose of public service and has enjoyed that and worked with it and stayed with it. And since the both of you have been um, nearly two decades and some more than two decades uh, working in that, what I wanted to do is talk more about that. You know, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you involved, you know, and um, you've been through a lot. You've been through a lot of different congresses with a lot of different personalities. So what I want to start with is just this simple question, you know, what keeps you going? Why Why do you stay in public service? What is your What is your passion about public service? We can start with, Mari, do you want to start? Um, sure. Um, you know, I think I got into public service because my family was involved in public service. So it was something that I was exposed to at a very young age. And my dad had the same position I do for a U.S. senator from New Hampshire in the 1960s. Um, worked on the Great Society. Worked mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Um, passing the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act and all of these landmark pieces of legislation. And while I didn't make a conscious decision to follow that path, I think that had a lot to do with my eventually following that path, um, is just a belief that public service is a noble calling, um, understanding how it impacts people's lives and real lives. And, and, And my understanding of that after having been a chief of staff in the House of Representatives and now the U.S. Senate has even expanded. And, you know, Beth and I talk a lot about, you know, constituent service and how gratifying that is. And that's been, that's been to me, um, the flip side of the legislative accomplishments is really sort of the bread and butter of, legisla- of, of constituent service and helping people solve their problems and how much power you have to do that and how you can really change people's lives. And mm-hmm. so um, it's, an, it's an incredible privilege um, to have this job and to be able to work for my home state on top of it. We're both lucky to be working for our home states, and that makes a huge difference. And that's, that's, that's a good lead-in. I feel like um, I was attracted to public service it was very much by accident but I uh, very much I just enjoyed so much there's there's so much information you can never digest it in a day every day is different um, I worked on policy early on in my career and I found that to be very motivating it was healthcare it was well it was telecommunications it was energy and but now at this stage of my career as a chief of staff, um, my motivation is Texas. It's home, mm-hmm. and I get to think about it every single day. 
and I and I love that. Um, my boss, Senator Cornyn, loves his job. He just, and I don't know where he gets the energy. <laughs> he is really hard to keep up with, and it takes seventy of us every day to kind of keep up with what he's doing. But you know, he gets up every day, looking forward to what he's doing, and it really does energize the rest of us. Um, I love coming down to the state. We have seven different offices down here, and our staff who represent each part of the state are just there's they love. Their, their piece of the job so much, and, and the staff is is very motivating for me. Mm-hmm. It's uh, to make sure they have the tools they need to do their job, um, which is making Cornyn look every good every day. But he always says, at the end of the day, I'm responsible to at least 27 million people. And so there's a lot of accountability there. And it's just every day as a reminder, I mean, your customer service, that's what you're here to do. And mm-hmm. um, Never forget that. I think uh, in the light of noise uh, around uh, the U.S. Congress, uh, one of the reasons why I'm so glad you're here is there's so many people who are behind the scenes, mm-hmm. who are substantive, who get it, who get what you just said about who the customer is, who the constituent, whether it's a New Hampshire mm-hmm. constituency or a Texas constituency, or as they um, play that role in the national constituency, that there are people behind just every day trying to do the right thing. And so I think that's a big motivator that we've heard. Before we had this podcast, I just want to uh, tell the listeners, we had a session with the students, and it was a very interesting session because the students at some point were talking about, you know, what are you really looking for when you're hiring somebody? Or how does your career trajectory really go? Because they want a formulaic, they sort of want a formulaic way Mm -hmm. of entering and succeeding in public service. And both of you uh, were very good about talking about, well, some of this is pretty accidental, (laughs) and some of it is pretty much of a zigzag. So can you talk just a little bit about that for those who are listening and couldn't be at our session? Yeah, I mean, well, I think, um, you know, I came through the press side of things, and Beth came through the policy side of things. So we took those different paths. But I really sort of fell into it. Like I got a, I majored in English. I was coming out of school, sort of trying different things. I worked in a market research firm. I was like, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. But all that time, because it was something I grew up doing, I was volunteering on campaigns. And at one point, I was volunteering on a campaign. And somebody said, well, why don't you do this for a living? You're really good at it. And I, was, I thought, oh, I can do that? <laughs> so, um, And so I moved to Washington, and I actually got a job writing on a magazine called Campaign Magazine, covering ma- campaigns, and then eventually became a press secretary on the Hill and then um, chief of staff on the House side and eventually got to work for my home state for the first time, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. So. And Beth's path was totally different. Yeah, than yes. yes. <laughs> um, also accidental. But I was a journalism major, and it turns out that the writing that you were taught in journalism—it was actually very on on point with with what because you, you need to figure out how to communicate complicated issues very succinctly and very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, of course, I had a really hard time about this when I went to law school because legal <laughs> writing is so different. Yes. And all of a sudden, I was. Having to, I'm like, why do I have to write a 20-page paper? I can say this in four sentences. Um, but commun- it all, it does all come back to communication. Um, whether it's, you know, whether maybe you come up through the policy side, maybe you come up through the political side. But the one thing all those things have in common, right, is it's communication. It's 
kind of back to writing. It's mm-hmm. um, because if you don't get if you can't get your point across, you're not helping your boss get their point across. Then they're they're going to be kind of missing left and right. Um, so, mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about in the session too was what people don't see, what mm-hmm. goes on behind the scenes, and how much you all work across the aisles and so many different perspectives. And some of it's for constituent work, you know, to help your constituencies, and others are in policies that you all are trying to figure out, you know, the tens of thousands of bills that are introduced and you're working on, and people expect you to work on that. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about what you see as some of the most basic tenets of working across the aisle with folks on issues. Well, I will say behind the scenes, there is a lot being done. People focus on the large bills. You mentioned the civil rights bill. These are not bills that are... They're once in a generation. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm proud to say, I I think I'm pretty sure I can say this, my boss has passed more bills than anybody else in the Senate. And all of those are bipartisan bills. They have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, We go through a, um, a process in the Senate. It's called unanimous consent. And behind the scenes, every single day... Um, smaller bills, I'm not going to call them unimportant, but are being passed. And mm-hmm. um, and you have to have a Republican and a Democrat doing those because it has to clear all 100 senators. There's a process that that gets, a way that that gets done. And it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to work through objections from, you know, it could be one office that raises objections. It could be 20 offices that mm-hmm. raise objections on, ta- on small bills. And so each and every day, our staff is going back and um, I mean, we have a bill with Elizabeth Warren. We've had, I mean, you, you name it. He's worked with a lot of different Democrats. But you need to find that partner because they have to be doing the same thing. They have to be clearing it through the Dem side. We clear it through the Republican side. Then you got to work it through the House. But we've been very successful in the last two years in passing a lot of, I think, really good bills. And, you know, two of them, I think, were courthouse naming. So there's some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in other cases, these are, it might be helping clear rape kit ba- backlogs. It's, mm-hmm. We do a lot of stuff in the judiciary space. Um, and there is bipartisan support. And, and we put out releases on these. And there's interest groups who, are, who follow it. But by and large, you're right. These things don't get talked about. But mm-hmm. it's happening every day. All right. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is that you can't get anything done unless it's bipartisan. Yes. So, um, like, every, every, I mean, a lot of people will say, all right, we've got this piece of legislation, we've got a Democrat and Republican sponsors. If you want to sign on, you got to bring, if you're a Democrat, we go bring a Republican. We're only, we're going to be even. We're going to keep all of our sponsors even. So, sometimes we'll go to sign on to a piece of legislation, they'll be like, you got to find a Republican Mm -hmm. because we're already at four aside. And if we're going to add a fifth Democrat, we got to add a fifth Republican. So, you've got to go out and find somebody and you've got to convince them to jump on this bill with you. So, all of that goes on behind the scenes. And, um, but there's much more in the way. And the UC point is a very good one. There's much more in the way of bipartisanship that happens that, People don't see. I wish they did see it more often. But well, as was I said, one of, that was, that's a big question because when you're thinking about just just not our students and uh, who want to go into public service mm-hmm. questioning this, the general public mm-hmm. doesn't understand this. We were talking about this earlier that their image is an image of something frenetic or something very contentious, mm-hmm. and you know members of Congress or senators are walking out of meetings and microphones are thrown mm-hmm. in their face and they have to say something. And I'm, we're trying to figure out how we can have the American public and especially our students understand mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that is just one 
sliver of what really goes on behind yeah. the scenes. Well, what, that's why what you're doing is important by having these types of forums because really um, I, I do this all the time. I do it with our interns. I yeah. do it like sort of explain that the press covers conflict and controversy. That's what they do. I said this to your students. Yes. They cover plane crashes, not safe landings, but we have safe landings every single day. And um, the number one thing that our interns who go through our inter internship program say to me that they're most surprised about is how much we work together. And that always makes me a little bit sad, but yes. also I'm glad they're getting that exposure. And I say, go tell your friends that. Go tell your parents that. Mm -hmm. Go tell your family members that, that people do a lot of good work here. Yeah. So. They just don't see that. You know, they don't, they don't, see, don't see, it. see it every day. What they see is the tension or the arguments or, you know, people getting upset. And uh, having come from the Congressional Research Service where we had bird's eye view of all this, that's how things get done. And people are working hard every single day to get those done. So mm -hmm. this is something we really need to work harder on, um, getting that that completed and, and people to understand that. One of the things I want, I can't not ask this question because you're two very powerful women. Um, and you've been um, chiefs of staff, and there's, I think we said there's 30 chiefs of staff that are women now. But you've Somewhere been through, roughly, yeah. roughly 30, yeah. 35. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we've been through this, you know, when you started off um, as women in the, in going into political policy, mm -hmm. that was like, oh, what's that? And what role do women really play in this? And now you've reached really a, a very mm -hmm. top. So talk to us a little bit about what you've seen and what you're optimistic about in terms of women's trajectory into these positions. And I know some of it is just because of hard work and persistence and people mm -hmm. get to see women who can do very good jobs. But if we think about the future too, in terms of continuing to grow that, um, without making this a women's issue, you know, we're just really yeah. thinking about the talent that we have, the raw talent. How yeah. do we think about that for the future? Well, why don't you go? Um, I, you know, I, it starts, it starts in every area of the office, right? Who we hire, whether whatever the position might be, right? It's not just the chiefs. You're thinking about your staff assistants. Yes. You're thinking about yeah. the future. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and and it's about nurturing the best talent we have. And you know, we were talking about diversity earlier. Whether on all on all different fronts, and mm -hmm. sometimes you need to, especially on the Republican side. I think we have challenges in that at times. And we need to be better about reaching out in different ways and, um, and finding people who want to come work for us. Um, but that's more of a party challenge. Um, we have more of that challenge than you all do. Yeah. Um, and we try to do that by just going to, to different schools that maybe we wouldn't normally maybe have gone to in the past mm -hmm. um, to try to fill that gap. Well, we all suffer that. that. I mean, that is one of the things that mm -hmm. we talked about, too. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that you're the Lyndon Baines Johnson School of Public Affairs, people think, oh, well, this is the last bastion of, you know, liberalism, et cetera. And we would not do our students any service unless we mm -hmm. said, look, you're here to understand how to get at the bottom of a problem mm -hmm. and how to ensure that you're talking about that problem. So part of it for us, too, is recruiting um, faculty and students with a lot of diversity in mm -hmm. terms of their political background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot about the pipeline, um, but it's also, you know, um, it's the same thing with women running for office. Like women have to see women get elected to want to yes. run themselves. Yes. Well, women have to see women in the chiefs of staff role to believe that they can be it themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that the more women who um, 
are uh, uh, advanced to the role of chief of staff on the Democratic and Republican side, the more staffers who are legislative assistants might think, oh, maybe I can have that job one day. Mm -hmm. Instead of leaving the Hill to go work in a think tank or leaving somewhere else, they might stay put and try to work, you know, to become a chief of staff. So you have to really have role models. And it's upon it's on us to sort of mentor women coming up Mm -hmm. in the ranks and making sure that the pipeline has that type of talent and that they realize that they can have these jobs. Mm -hmm. Are you optimistic about that? Are you seeing young women Yes, I am. Okay, good. I really, really am. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. That's good. Um, One other thing that uh, that I wanted to talk to you about, we haven't talked about in the time we've been together since you've come to Austin, is about where you go for your information. How do you decide that you have a trusted source? That's a great question. Um, because I feel like everywhere you turn on, right, with 20, I mean, I'll start with 24-hour news cycle, mm-hmm. we have news on all day in our offices. And sometimes I look, at, I don't know, we have political commentators on both sides, mm-hmm. and we know them. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting to me. I'm like, why Why are these people out there talking about this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I feel like there was a time where you kind of knew, because of so-and-so's background, what they were bringing to the table. And now all of a sudden... I feel like it's more about causing a stir or mm-hmm. shock value than it is about just discussing kind of facts of an issue. And and you do have to work harder and you have to encourage your staff to, to do the same, right? To make sure they're not just coming forward with one one piece of the puzzle and making them go back to the drawing board saying, actually, you know, there's three or four more pieces mm-hmm. here. So I demanding that when you're when they're briefing you on it or when they're mm-hmm. seeking your advice, demanding the fact that they go dig. Because in our positions, yeah. we're yeah. not the people. We're, yeah. That's not, we're trusting yeah. that yes. information, as you said. Yeah. We're not typically going right to the sources. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I think, reinforcing at at the very junior levels of your staff. You've got to look at this problem from all 360 degrees. It's not necessarily your job to recommend what we're doing here. Right, 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 right. We just need the information. And that's what, at the end of the day, my boss demands of me and of everybody else. So, Yeah, you you want to try to find unbiased information. And... You know, it, our staffs are, you know, they're political beings. Yeah. They might have their mm-hmm. favorite cable channel that they're listening to, right. and uh, whether it's Fox or MSNBC, but they have to understand those are people with opinions. And you may agree with those opinions, but that's not what you're presenting to the U.S. Senator. The U.S. Senator is not asking you for opinions. The U.S. Senator probably has their own opinions, mm-hmm. but what they want in this instance are the facts, unbiased facts, so we can sit down and discuss them. And yes, we will make a recommendation at the staff level. You know, if it's a new issue, we'll say, like, we've looked at it from all these sides. Here's the upsides. We've talked to, and Gene Sheehan will always say, who have you talked to in New Hampshire? Mm -hmm. Have you talked to the stakeholders in New Hampshire? And so you got to go to the state and say, like, how is this going to impact the state? And if you go in as a staff for the first time and you don't have an answer to that question, it's not going to be good for you. So, Mm -hmm. So that's always, like, get as much feedback as you can. And if the, you know, if the people are working on that issue in the state say, this is really something that will help us. That's going to be a no-brainer for us. We're mm-hmm. going to say yes. We're going to sign on to that. 
Well, what I thought was beautiful about today, and it was totally unintentional, yeah. was that the things that you were talking about, the values and principles of nonpartisanship, mm -hmm. of going down to the constituent and understanding mm -hmm. the constituent's perspective, mm -hmm. of working across the aisle, working on things that you know are both human uh, cases that give you lots of pleasure as well yeah. as the large ones. Those are things that public policy schools are trying to not only just introduce our students to, mm -hmm. but to help educate them, give them the mm -hmm. skills that that's the kind of environment they want to go in and that they can contribute in. So it was it was really, it was something totally unplanned, but it turned out really well today in terms of, uh, I could see the light bulbs kind of going off in their faces yeah. about what was, you know, was really important. And we talk a lot about information because mm -hmm. when, when I was on the Hill, this was centuries ago, but you had reliable information sources that everybody agreed was reliable. But now mm -hmm. the information sources are just, you know, vast. You can go anywhere and shop mm -hmm. it. So it's much more difficult for the staff yeah. as well as you mm -hmm. to make sure that everything is covered that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another big thing we're trying to, to work on. Yeah. I think the last thing I'd just like to ask you about is what do you feel how do you feel about the United States Senate? You know, when, we, when I go out and talk to people, I say the most important branch of government is the legislative branch mm -hmm. of government. And, you know, people look at me, and I don't, you know, sometimes I don't even know the differences between all these branches. But what is it about the United States Senate that really turns you on to, you know, how important this is for the, for the country, you know? Really helps you get up in the morning and go, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the right place, and this is really, really where we need to be. It's, I mean, what everybody sees, we're, we're 51, 49 divided Senate right now. And, um, you know, on our side, Senator Cornyn's the whip. And we were, because Senator McCain was ill for a while, we were, it was actually 50, 49. It's very, it's very divided, obviously, on paper. It's divided in what people people see every day. But this issue of unanimous consent that I mm -hmm. talked about, that is such a check on our government. And it doesn't exist in the House of Representatives, mm -hmm. right? They are majority body. When you run the House, you run the House. There's not a lot of opportunity for the minority in the House. Senate, it's the, it's the absolute opposite. And I think in the last 10 years, we've seen some of that go away. There's, there's, mm -hmm. there's this effort, I'd, I'd say, on both sides to want to do away with some of these Senate rules um, and to make it more of a majority body like we have in the House. I don't think that's that would be a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, the Senate is supposedly where the cooler heads prevail. And as long as that issue of unanimous consent is part of the Senate, I think that we will we will have that. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, would, you're basically the mechanisms, the governance mechanisms that do this mm -hmm. are, are there in the Senate, and that's something that you feel still aligns very well with the intention of the role of the Senate. In yeah, legislative. and I would, I would add a very the important distinction of the six-year term. So yes. with yes. campaigns being so all-consuming mm -hmm. and so contentious and so partisan, um, having one-third of the body instead of 100% of the body up for re-election helps because you've got two-thirds of the body that can still work outside of that contentious mm -hmm. partisan environment yes. that allows us to still work across the aisle. When you get with the House of Representatives, everybody's up, you get six months out from an election and, you know, all bets are off. There's just, they, they can't get anything done, really. Mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult. Um, so um, unless they've got a huge majority and, and, and whatever. But um, I think the six-year term and the, and the fact that, you know, 
you know, not everybody is up every two years is helpful mm -hmm. to be able to be more thoughtful and, you know, longer term thinking. And some people have said, too, that, you know, because a senator is representing the entire state rather than the district, mm -hmm. that the more homogeneous the districts become, the more important the Senate becomes in terms of really trying to balance the communities mm -hmm. um, in the state. So that, too, that role is even more important now than it mm -hmm. was years ago. Yeah. So another reason why we think right. it's really important. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to do this podcast. I know you're on the run, and um, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been, been great. It's been really great. It's we great benefited be greatly, and thank you so much for your service. We really appreciate Aww. that. Thank you for having us. It was really fun. It was. Enjoyed it. Great to be here. <laughs> okay, awesome. thank you. Thanks. This is Policy on Purpose, a podcast produced by the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. We take you behind the scenes of policy with the people who help shape it. To learn more, visit lbj.utexas.edu and follow us on Twitter or Facebook at the LBJ School. Thank you for listening.